0: This is a glass box media podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the Must not take yourself too seriously, and six-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, "Hey. <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: I was almost at the point to write it off. I I just couldn't deal with it anymore.
0: You show the responsible side, but I don't see the emotion.
2: I was really starting to hate my wife.
3: You're like, oh, thank God, and you're ready to connect.
2: I was trying so hard to fix our marriage, and I was getting so frustrated. And then you're like, you need to do that with yourself.
1: Open Group Therapy calls on a revolving cast of members each week to complement the work of renowned psychologist Dr. Matthew Paradise. Each episode focuses on one person's experience. You'll hear that person interacting with peers in the group whose names they might not even know, but whose counsel and compassion are impactful nonetheless. You'll also hear that person speaking in private with Dr. Paradise, This is a time when Dr. Paradise can discuss the group experience as it relates to the individual. Dr. Paradise uses a mixture of direct questioning along with humor to both support and challenge the group. He provides an attentive ear but will also call someone out. Dr. Paradise speaks openly and expects others to do the same. Only through this kind of open dialogue can real growth occur.
4: Open Group is a group where members can join at any time. One of the huge benefits is that you get people who are further along in the divorce process. And it's incredibly powerful when a person who's gone through the same experience can talk to you either from a shared experience or a complimentary experience. Then also just people reacting naturally to what they're hearing in the other person. As a therapist, I have a lot of authority and people want to listen to me. But when it's just another person going through the same thing, it has a different flavor of influence. Again, it can't be replicated in an individual format. Ricardo is definitely at the beginning of this. You know, he's found out about things going on with his wife. He's not sure if he wants to divorce. He's got a lawyer. Maybe he's even got the paperwork. He's read it a file, but he doesn't even know if he's getting divorced. And that's a very common thing when people come into group they're struggling with these, the thing that's probably the biggest decision they've ever faced in their lives. Most people will say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, or this is the biggest decision I'll ever make. And he's at a very different place than the other members of the group.
2: My wife and I have been married for 13 years. I'm 12 years her senior and i moved out of the house in july so what do you think is going to happen in your situation you know what at at this point i really don't know i do know one thing and i i know even though she did cheat she would have never stayed with me as long as she did if she didn't love me i mean i'm not that easy of a person to live with okay because i'm i'm very bossy She's like, I don't work for you. And then I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. um, I'm not trying to be bossy or micromanage, but my wife is, she'll have seven things to do, and she'll go here, there, come back and forth instead of going here, 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 and here, and then coming back.
1: Is
3: divorce definitive? You guys are getting a divorce. Not yet. We, nope.
2: Okay, we. It's not
3: been decided.
2: N- no, we've talked about it, and okay, so she cheated on me with another woman.
4: Did you see how Jen's face didn't even? Yeah. She didn't
2: even blink. <clears throat> so it was around February when I found out, and she kind of wanted to try to patch things up, and I was really hurt by it. I, I didn't know how to feel about it. You know, if it had been another man, it, you know, it would have probably been okay.
4: It would have been uh, different, you think?
2: I think it would have been different because I could have confronted him. I couldn't confront her because I'm not like that. I wouldn't, you know. You're kind I, of a
4: traditional guy, aren't yes. you? Yes.
2: So, yeah, because the other guy, I could, you know, we could take it out in the back of the house. and.
4: <laughs> Generally not a recommendation of this group. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> but that's, like I said, I'm, you
4: know, I'm a cowboy. We
2: old school, and that's how we handle things.
4: In some ways, it's not terribly different from just having an affair.
3: Well, but if she is contemplating, exploring that part of herself, it will make reconciliation and focusing on the reconciliation a little more challenging.
4: I checked in with Ricardo about his wife's transgressions and that was multi-layered. He's both dealing with the idea that his wife has been unfaithful to him but he's also contemplating the fact that she may have be exploring a new aspect of her sexuality. And that was a real challenge for him to process those two things at once. You know, one of the, the things that came up was your wife's sexuality. How did that feel to talk about that in a group setting? It doesn't bother me. It's a more common story than you might um, believe. Like, I, I, we hear that in group. Mm-hmm often is maybe an exaggeration but a lot and it's uh it's it's a different dynamic isn't it it is yeah it It, is it's not it's not what you would expect like you said you expected that if your wife cheated you'd meet the guy out behind yeah (laughs) behind the bar right (laughs) (laughs) we would take this outside but uh, her having a relationship with a woman adds a whole nother dimension
2: it it does and i didn't know how to deal with that yep um it's you know it i still kind of don't to be honest yeah yeah um you know i i don't even know where to go because that's been brought up almost every conversation if we do try to work this out what she keeps saying what are we gonna do about my sexuality and she said that um one of the things that her therapist had told her that i was being selfish Mm. Because I wasn't taking into consideration what she wanted as far as sexuality.
4: Remember that word selfish. It, it it's a very common grievance of a wife in your wife's. They they will call you selfish for not appreciating their needs. Yeah, anymore. but I don't see it that way. Of course you don't, <laughs> because you're like, well, we're married. Like, how is it selfish to want my wife to be my wife yeah. if, if I'm married? but um, when somebody is on that path of sort of self-realization, so actualization. So do you think I am being that way? Uh, selfish? Yes. No, but you are at risk of being perceived as selfish at nearly every juncture, <laughs> in, 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 <laughs> I, I, in, unless you're fixing something.
1: And now let's go back to the group.
4: What she
2: had said was, That I had pushed her away. She said, you have pushed me away and she needed to connect with somebody. She was eager. Like when I was telling y'all, coming in at the end of the day, she wanted to sit and talk. And I didn't want to because I wanted to relax. And she missed, she needed somebody to connect with. And I wasn't there for her to connect with. And I feel very guilty about that. Because if I... If I would have listened and not been as selfish, then our marriage would be fine today. So I know that I I played the biggest part. Jen's
4: making a face and I'm going to ask you guys, um, if, if he had been the perfect husband, would his marriage be where he is? No.
3: And the reason I shook my head no is because I am sure that there was way more than just that, that was wrong with your marriage. And... I have beat myself up over and over and over again since January of last year for all of the mistakes that I made and if I had just done this differently, if I had just done that differently, maybe I should have gotten more, I did a ton of therapy, maybe I should have done more therapy or maybe I should have listened, I could go on and on and on. I am just now letting myself look at what did I do right? What were all the things that I actually did right? Because the list of that is long. And my therapist, she has said to me, Jennifer, if you did all of those things right, first of all, how do you know it still would have worked out? Because you still had issues too. So just because you did those things right doesn't mean he would have done his things right. Also, that puts all of the responsibility for the relationship on me.
0: Uh-huh.
3: If if I had just done this and just done that and just done this and just done that, then it would have worked out. Well, then that makes me solely responsible for the relationship when it takes two people. Mm. Your marriage did not fail and not reach this point because of one reason, because of just because you came in at the end of the day and didn't connect.
2: She would tell me things and I didn't listen. I, I took a, so much for granted with her and she would tell me and she's like, but you didn't listen. She's like, I tried to tell you and I tried to tell you and I tried to tell you.
4: Let's, let's ask these guys, um, do you remember in your marriage ever hearing or feeling like you were telling somebody something and they weren't hearing it or vice versa? All the time. Tell me more.
3: All the time. And actually now in hindsight, I'm looking back thinking that the, some of the stuff that I thought went in and thought was, was a conversation is no recollection. So you can now. relate
4: to what he's saying about his wife, that, that notion that she was telling him something and he wasn't really hearing mm-hmm. it.
3: I and mean, I think that's—I think that's a male, a common marriage, male, th- female problem in any way, right? Sure. Yeah. And maybe in same-sex couples too. I don't know.
4: Right. But so the phenomena—you feel like you were really clear about stuff, and he—it it just didn't take with him. Yeah. And now you're sitting here in your chair. Do you, is it taking now? Or are you hearing it now? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. what did you hear?
2: Okay. So, like that was for one, for instance, and it just. At the end of the day, she would want, you know, because she spent all day with the kids. Mm -hmm. She would want to have adult conversation with me. Yep. And like I said, during the day, I've got so much going on with so many different people. When I come home, I want to decompress. And the way that I do that is I can get, because if
4: not, my
2: mind is still going. My phone is still blowing up. I have to put it down not and you know I left the job I'm Ricardo, done with I, it.
4: I want you to notice that Jen was reacting I to what that. you were yeah. saying and,
3: and the word and-, and the word the word decompress I mean one of the things that I've realized is that if you have a stay at home individual and then you have one that works the working one gives everything they have they give all of their energy throughout the day and they come home ready to decompress and rejuvenate so they can do it again the next day the one at home all day is going nuts it is awful and you are just looking at the clock waiting for somebody else to walk in the front door so you're like oh thank god i'm gonna go crazy and you're ready to connect Mm -hmm. and so what ends up happening is there's a massive disconnect the goals and objectives at whatever time 505 605 whatever are completely different
4: And what's worse is there's often like a, you retreat harder into the position because you feel invalidated by the other person. So you come home tired from work. She wants something from you. It makes you feel like she's not appreciating everything you do during the day. She just wants to to connect with another adult Mm -hmm. and have, like you said, adult conversation. You're dismissive of that because you're tired. It makes her feel how did it make you feel?
3: I don't, I don't ever rank as high as exactly. a colleague, a client. I, I'm just, I'm never going to, unless I had a problem,
1: mm-hmm.
3: obligation would trump. But then there was resentment that got built up because it's like, for the love of God, every time I come in, there's a problem.
4: So unless you had like a specific agenda item.
3: I had to have a problem big enough to make it onto the docket.
4: One of the big benefits for Ricardo of being in that group format was hearing from another member of the group about her experience um, as a wife with a working husband and some of the challenges they had, especially around the dynamic when he came home and, and maybe he was too tired to talk. And I think the group gave him really good feedback on that and he soaked that in. Tell me about your the impact of hearing about Jen talking about her stuff on you. What was that like to hear somebody from Jen's side of the fence talk about? Because it sounds like she related to some of the stuff in your situation.
2: It was kind of refreshing to hear somebody else on the other side of the fence. Because I I was kind of hoping to to get some feedback from someone else. Because you're a man also so we 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 can communicate yep. we know what we talk yep. about yep. but we a woman has a totally different perspective of life and how it goes and yep. you know a different side of the marriage
4: yeah and, and that's probably a lot of the questions you have right now or like what's I, I, going on in your wife's mind I, from I, a from I, a woman's
3: perspective yeah,
2: right i, I, I cuz i hear her
3: mm-hmm. but
2: there's more that i want to know so i can understand and how the more i can understand yep. about what's going on in her mind yep. i can better know how to fix what's broken
4: there's the fixer though
2: <laughs> that's what i what i do. what i
4: what i'd hope that you would take away from that too is just getting at some perspective
1: and now let's go back to the group do you
3: remember when I one of the meetings I had read this article that talked about sliding versus deciding? And talk, that, talk more that about it. That has been just the hugest concept for me and I'm looking back over the history of our marriage and I'm going to get emotional right now because I see so many ways it played out. But the, the theory being mm-hmm. that it was actually talking about couples that try to reconcile. You need to figure out if you were a slider or a decider couple. So the theory being that some people just slide from one phase, one week, one month into the next in their lives and in their marriage. Others sit down and have discussions and decide together, this is what we want and this is how we're going to get there. And you navigate and decide and make decisions and take action towards it. And I wonder if you were to go back and look, how many people that end up in divorce were sliders? Probably
4: more than not. And, um, You can be a decider and you can have a spouse that's a slider.
3: And I think that I was trying throughout our entire marriage to get us to be deciders. I kept saying, we have to decide that this is what we want and we have to make choices that reflect that goal in mind. And he was sliding and I was inadvertently sliding with him.
2: At a point I wanted to get a divorce because it was hard for me to sit there because I felt like I wasn't important enough for her. And so I was starting to resent her. And when I would come over, we'd, you know, I'd say, let's go out to eat or let's, you know, try to put a spark back in our marriage. And every time, you know, during the week, she would be, okay, yeah, we could do that. And then the weekend would come and it would be no.
4: What do you guys see happening there?
3: Well, you will slide it. You're sliding into divorce. Yes. Because unless both people say, "I want to work on this. I want to fight for it. We want to try to reconcile." Unless both people come to the table with that attitude, it's going to end in divorce. Well, was- Whether it takes 5 years or 18 months,
4: One of the themes that came out in Group was this idea of people sliding into decisions in their relationship rather than deciding to make those decisions, and that resonated with Ricardo strongly. He realized that he was sort of passively falling into certain dynamics and and that we as a group were hoping to get him to be more active as a decider and, and hoping that he would actively determine what was next for him. One of the things that came up with that slide versus decide, did mm-hmm. you get the gist of what she was yes. saying with that?
2: I, a lot of it, yes. It was slide yeah. in our relationship, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we just
4: kind of fall into things.
2: And it just it yep. it, it, it builds momentum. Yep. And it just keeps going.
4: Yeah, and it's really interesting because you are so proactive about so many things in your life. Like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to take care of it. I got this. I'm in charge of it. I can do it. And in the relationship part... You don't have that, do you? I don't.
2: It's. I don't even know what to do. I'm clueless. Yeah, and yeah. That's. I, I told my. Mom, I'm like. I. You know. I can fix almost anything, but I don't know how in the world to yeah. fix this. And and so hopefully I can learn to navigate these waters.
1: Now let's rejoin the group.
4: Roxanne, does he sound like somebody who wants to save his marriage?
0: I don't know. I don't hear any emotion. And I think that's when he mentioned that his uh, wife had said that he didn't know how to love. I, I mean, I don't know her, but I'm just thinking that maybe it's because you show the responsible side with working and being, you know, funding everything for the family. But I don't see the emotion. And I think for you, you think you're showing love through the money and the job and being the person that takes care of everyone. And to you, that's love because that's probably what you were raised seeing with your yeah. father and taught yeah, to do. My, because
2: my dad never told me he loved me.
0: See, and so you I know, don't see I as much emotion to, I, I tried to look
2: back and I was like, you know, my I know he did. My dad was really, really hard on me. Very, very tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nothing was ever good enough. I could never try hard enough. It was just, he. I mean, he expected me to do everything and learn everything and mm-hmm. know everything. And you know, that's why I am so, so how
4: much. Did, how did that impact you as a father and a husband? It has this
2: plus and it has its positive and negatives. You know, the, the one good thing is, you know, when I do something, I, more than a hundred percent in whatever it is that I do. I'm an extremist. And, but that can go either way.
0: But who are you doing it for? Because what I'm hearing is that you're doing it for your father. I'm not hearing that you're doing it for her or for the family as much as you're doing it to prove that to the father to live up to what his
4: dad would his dad's set of expectations you're doing a great job of being what your dad thinks is a father and a husband right but maybe not what your wife thinks
3: you know the other thing when you're in a limbo period like this is it becomes really important to figure out if you want to save your marriage because you don't want to get a divorce and you don't want your family to break up or if you want her
4: let's just talk about your kids, right? Mm-hmm. One of the outcomes of a, if you were to get divorced, it is actually a really beneficial outcome, is you could become happier and more uh, um, self-aware yourself, and it's gonna make you a better dad and more available, and you can break the cycle of your own parenting, right? Remember your dad mm-hmm. never said he loved love you. How often do you say you love you to your kids?
2: All the time, every day, Good for every you. day. I, I, I Good didn't want to fall into that trap that my dad did with me yeah. and I noticed that when I had my children, yeah. I quit drinking In when I three. had my first yeah. daughter yeah. because I didn't want anything. I wanted to be a good parent. I really yeah. did. Yeah. Now I probably screwed all that up, but you I know, really wanted to be a good parent, You know, a good husband. I a really divorce
4: did. is not the destruction of a family. It's, Rearranging the furniture, but
2: nobody tells you how a marriage is supposed to work. How to, you know? Yep. It, it just you don't.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And but Dr. you
2: hear everybody thinking, oh well, we did this and we yeah. did that, and, and what,
4: whatever happens. I don't want you to frame this as I've destroyed my kids' lives or I've ruined everything or I've broken up. My, sometimes
2: I do feel that.
4: Of course. But I can tell you, I work with all kinds of families that have reconfigured with happy, healthy, productive kids with divorced parents. There's the, the number one predictor of problems for kids post-divorce. Can you guess what it is? No. Conflict between their parents. Do you know what the number one predictor of problems for kids is pre-divorce? Conflict <laughs> between parents. So, if your divorcing creates more conflict, it's gonna be bad for your kids. If your divorcing releases stuff that allows you to get rid of conflict, your kids will do great.
1: And now let's go back to the group.
3: I do think, and I'll speak just as a woman, because it may work differently if it's the reverse, mm-hmm. but if you really wanna save your marriage, And if your wife is open to giving it a time frame, I do believe that's possible. I think it's unlikely, because I think by the time a couple reaches this point, statistically speaking, it's unlikely, but I do think it, it can work. Now, I know you say, go become the best version of yourself, let them go, that's when they come back. I believe that there's windows sometimes. But here is what I do believe, is you have to both be willing to sit down and have a conversation that we want this bad enough to give it a shot. You set, you do it with professional help. You set time frame parameters. And just like anything else in life, you have milestones and goals and checkpoints. And you say, I need to see blank in the next 30 days from you. Great. I need to see blank in the next 30 days from you. You give latitude for the fact that we're not both not perfect. And then in 30 days you're like, did I see enough in the last 30 days that I'll re up for another 30? And then you also have a major checkpoint at 90 days out because you can't, you don't want to do this indefinitely and then kill yourself that way. So I, I personally believe that sometimes it's possible.
4: It, it's sort of different um, recipes for different times in the trajectory. Your, your recipe is absolutely um, valid when both people still have at least a foot, hopefully two feet in the relationship. There's another time in the relationship where the person has a toe.
3: Yeah.
4: Barely in or maybe not at all. Yep. Right? You've been there, right? mm mm-hmm. Four years after you were separated, was there anything he could say to get you back?
0: No. I, when I make up my mind, I'm one of those people that
3: I don't look back. Yeah. That bingo, that right. was what we do. So
4: the, the and it, that's a very difficult assessment to make. Yeah. So what... What can, uh, you guys have more experience than him. You're further along the line. What can he do right now?
3: Well, I think y'all are hanging out in a status quo limbo that only ends one way. If you, you both don't decide. I mean, probably you kind of want to save it, but you're, you're not sure if it's too late. You're not sure if you're ready to do the work. To save it. You've got to get on the same page about whatever
0: it is that you're going to be doing.
2: Well, I, I, I want to save it or else I wouldn't have been here. I mean. That, but she has to want that she, too. Exactly. She's the one that's kind of in limbo whether she wants to even try to save the marriage
4: One of the near universal inclinations as folks are going through the divorce process is to be angry at their spouse. And I think the group helped him realize that there was an alternate strategy to focus more positively on himself and his relationship with his kids. And that was going to bear a whole lot more fruit in the long term.
2: I was almost at the point to write it off, to call my attorney and say, look, I I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I was really starting to hate my wife because I was trying so hard to fix our marriage, pouring all this energy, and I didn't see her pouring anything into it. And I was getting so frustrated. And then you're like, you need to do that with yourself. And so I thought about that, and I'm like, you know, you're so right. And so I started doing that. And when I left, I felt so much better.
4: I'm glad. Keep on pouring all that fixer energy <laughs> should should be on you, man. You should yeah. be you should be pouring all that energy, all that self-improvement, everything, and you're going to be a better guy no matter what happens. You're going to be a better guy. And the neat thing is if you if your wife realizes it and she's like, "Man, I don't want to miss out on this new great Ricardo." You guys will stay together. And if she doesn't see that, you'll move on. Yeah. You'll move on. You're a good man. It's clear. And that, right. this divorce doesn't change that. I was super happy that Ricardo came today because I think he really, it was a real surprise to him to have the group react to things like his lack of emotional availability and that maybe he was doing too much work around the house. And I think he was kind of surprised that, that people kind of saw a lot of stuff in him right away. Like they they figured him out. And I think he probably left the group, I hope he left the group, with a greater sense of needing to take care of himself. Maybe focus a little bit less on his his wife and maybe do a little self-care to move him forward. And also that recognition that the measures that he was using to judge his success as a husband probably weren't holding up in the eyes of his wife. That fixing the water heater and being a good financial provider may have check the box for him as a husband, as a father, but I think they helped him clue into the idea that wasn't enough for his wife, and that's probably why he's where he's at.
1: Thank you for listening to Decoupling, Group Therapy with Dr. Paradise. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, Dr. Paradise would love to hear your questions or comments. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, at decouplingpod, or on Facebook on the Decoupling Podcast page. Decoupling Group Therapy with Dr. Paradise is a Mopac Audio production. Producers are Chris Moss, Shannon McGarvey, and Jonathan Beal. Editing and music composition by Blake Maples.
0: The a Media Media Podcast.